Well, my friends, I want to encourage you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. Y'all remember in school or college when your teachers or professors would hand out a, a syllabus, you know, and we'd look at these things and pour through this and think, how can I ever get all of this stuff done? You know, in high school, I would inevitably leave it at home or lose it in my locker somewhere and get to the, and oh, what, do, what, do you, what do you mean we had to do that? What do you mean we had that reading? I didn't, nobody said anything to me about it. And yet a syllabus is like a map. Follow this, and at the end of the road, my friends, you're going to get an A in the class. This is it. This is what you need to do. Do these things and do well. It's not unlike the Christian life, is it? I mean, what do you hold in your hands right now if it is not the direction and how to live life? that God has called us to live, the things that we need to know and how to maneuver, difficult circumstances, how we see, how we perceive what is going on around us. God has given us his word, everything we need to do, everything we need to know to grow in life and in godliness. We just need to read it and do it. The fact is, just like school, come the end of the semester, a decision was made. Well, let's see. He didn't do that. Didn't hand that in. Well, I don't know what that was that he handed in, but it ain't going well. You know, and you get a final grade, my friends. Judgment day. And there is a day, hear me carefully here, there is a day coming appointed by God himself when you will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and you will give an account for what you have done with what he has given you. You will not say, well, I didn't know. Well, nobody told me. There will be no excuses, my friends. The word of God is readily available. You could go to our website and we have an electronic Bible and you can search for things in that Bible. It's a very helpful tool. Things to help you learn and grow. You've got a pastor who would love to get a phone call and say, Pastor, I'm struggling with this right now and I'm not sure what God would have me to do. Is there anything that, that you know of in the scripture that could give me some wisdom on this? Call me, friends. Call me. I'm glad to help. We have all kinds of opportunities. Well, in Romans chapter 2, in Romans chapter 2, Paul lays out a summary of how God will evaluate, evaluate you when you stand before him someday. So it would be wise of us to pay particular attention here this morning because one day you will stand before the king of kings. And he's going to make a decision about what you did in this life with all of the opportunities and instruction he gave you. Take a look here in verses 1 to 5. What we're going to see here, friends, are three. Three clear criteria on which God will judge you in the day to come. A decision to be made about you. And the first criteria is truth. 
Notice here in verse 1, where we read, Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. And it's not hard to do that. You know, after my first semester of Greek, I only thought, what kind of world am I living in where other people don't know the Greek language? It's easy to do such things. All you have to know is a half a millimeter ahead of someone else. And you can look back and say, look at you poor people. Do it all the time. There was a day in our life, my friends, where it was easy to judge us. And yet God has done a work in our life. And the response ought not to be to judge other people because, friends, you judge others but are guilty of the same things, aren't you? Look at there. This is what Paul says. He says, for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. <laughs> it has been said, my friends, that we hate our own faults especially when we see them in other people's lives. They're hypocrites. In verse 21 and 24, we're just going to jump down here. Notice what Paul writes here. He says, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? See, that's the issue here, friends. It's not about knowing. It's about doing. He says, while you preach against stealing, do you steal? Well, I haven't taken anybody's stuff. I may have taken credit for a good joke here and there, but, but hey. You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Oh, no, I don't. But I look real hard when that skimply dressed woman is on the TV set, when Aaron Rodgers takes off his helmet. Shame on you. <laughs> My friends. Don't be a hypocrite. Well, I've never left my, I've never done, well, it's not what you never did, my friend, but what did you do? What did you do? Remember, Jesus said, if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery. If you hate someone, you're a murderer. Think about that before you start pointing your fingers at other people point of the word of God is for us to point him at our own self and say, hey, pal, get it together. And you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking it. Yeah, you're not a better person simply because you can point out the faults of someone else. You're not. For it is written... The name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. Is it not a detestable thing to see in someone else's life? When they stand up and they press their shirt and they walk around like they're the latest thing that God has for us. And you watch in their pride. And you watch their careless moral living. And the jokes that they laugh at, and you say, baby, you ain't nothing but a hypocrite. It's not about what you say, my friends. It's about what you do. It's about the heart. 
That's the stuff that shows up on the outside, the hidden stuff in the heart, always reveals itself. And so Paul says, God is judging based on the truth, my friends. Hmm. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. In verse 2, here he says it clearly, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them themselves, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume upon the richness of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. How does God cause it? Does he make our life miserable? Well, sometimes he does when he, causes, when he wants us to repent. And God is very good at this. You know, it starts with a car. Why won't it start? And what's wrong with the tire? And why are all of these things falling apart in my life right now? And you say, hey, wait a minute. Is God trying to tell me something? But you know, there's another way that God pokes at our heart. His kindness. How do you sin against the God who is so good to you? Oh, look at what he provided again. Look at the encouragement. Look at the, the surprise and the good things in my life. All of these, my friends, are there to lead you to repentance. But, comes verse 5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. The address here seems to be uh, for the Jews at this point. Chapter 1 in this onslaught against sin and Paul's condemnation seems to be directed at the Gentiles. But here the Jews, religious people, you know, who know the truth, but sometimes have a, practice, a difficult time practicing it. Well, my friends, God will judge based on truth. What is true? Not what you think you can fool people into believing. It's based on the truth. But here when we come to verse 6, the second, the second aspect here is he's going to judge based on works. God's judgment based on what we do. You're saying, now wait a minute, I thought we didn't believe in this being saved by works thing. Well, hear me, friends, we don't. The Bible does not teach that you are saved because of what you do. You are saved because you're trusting in what Christ has done. There is nothing. Think of the gigantic insult it is to say, here's Christ, the very Son of God, who has come to die in our place, that his sacrifice once for all would be sufficient for all of our sins, and to say, no, 
You know, you know what I need to do is give, give to the poor. That'll get me there. Jesus' death just wasn't enough. It just didn't do it. There has to be seven or eight other things I've got to do. It is an insult to the sacrifice of Christ to think. But what we're talking about here is judgment. And the judgment looks, it looks different here. There are two kinds of judgments that are coming, one for believers and one for unbelievers. But both of them are based on the very same thing. What'd you do? I mean, here we sit here this morning with enormous advantages over most of the world. We know the word of God. I mean, we can buy it in different translations. We can listen to it on the radio. We can watch it on TV. We can watch it on a screen or on paper or however. We can just lay there with our eyes closed and listen to it. But it's not what you have available. It's not even what you know. It's what you do with it, friends. So here in verse 6, we see... He will render to each according to his works. What would you do? fact is, God shows no partiality here, my friends. There's no advantage if you're a Jew. You know what the advantage of being a Jew is? They have the word of God. God gave the Jews the word of God. Moses on the stone temple. He sent prophets one after another to the nation of Israel. But there's no advantage, again, for knowing. It's not the size of your library, my friends, but the size of your heart. What are you doing with what you know? Here in verse 7 we read, To those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. There it is, to those who by patience in well-doing, he gives eternal life. And those who selfishly ignore the truth receive wrath and fury. Look at verse 8. For those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. Tribulation and distress for everyone who does evil. Verse 9, there will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil. The Jew first, also the Greek. Every one of us responsible to God. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. Verse 10, glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. And that's, again, regardless of your nationality, my friends. Again, the point isn't what you got, what advantages you may have. It's what you have done with what you have. The Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Hmm. And then comes the third criteria. And friends, let's focus in carefully on this. I think it's been exactly what we've been talking about here all morning. Every one of us has light that God has given to us. And what we mean by that is truth. We've had a certain amount of truth that has been available to us. 
those of you who grew up in the church and you went to all the Sunday school classes and you sang the songs and you colored the pictures and you heard the stories. That's light. You had a great advantage over those who never went to Sunday school. They didn't grow up in the church. They didn't have that advantage. But guess what? With the advantage comes the accountability. What have you done with it, my friends? What have you done with it? Jesus told a parable about servants, and he gave this guy 10, say $10 a denarii, and this guy 5, and this guy 1. He says, I'm going out of town. You be faithful with this stuff. And he came back, and the guy that had 10 had 20, and this guy had 5 had 10. And this guy says, you know what? I know you're a harsh man, and I know that you judge harshly. So what I did is I wrapped it up in a towel, and I saved it. That 10 denarii uh, was, was illustrated 10 opportunities to do something. And five and one. And what did this guy do? He buried it. Oh, no, it's safe and sound. Just not doing anything with it. And the condemnation of that guy was harsh. It is about light. And so verse 12, we see that everyone will be judged based on what they know. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Great advantage in knowing, my friend, but also greater responsibility. Greater accountability. Everyone will be judged based on what you have come to know. When I was in college, we had a college pastor at our church. His name was Tom. Tom was a, a young, big, strapping, big guy. He played football, just, but he was just a godly, sensitive man. And we were talking one afternoon, and he said to me, Dave, he says, I feel terrible every time I teach a lesson. Every time I get out there and preach my guts out to these college students, because I feel like I'm just heaping judgment on them. All of this truth that has become available to them, they are now accountable for. And when they sit back and do nothing, they store up wrath. It is a hard, hard thing to see, my friends, because everyone will be judged based on what they know. And obviously the Jews have the word of God. What about all those people in Africa, you know, that we talk about? I don't know. Are there still people in Africa that have never heard the gospel? Probably are. What about those people who don't have Bibles? I mean, they don't have Gideons in their country, and they don't have little Bibles in the drawers at their hotels. I, you know, it seems like everywhere you go, somebody's referring to it somewhere. What about the Gentiles who didn't have the Word of God? Well, hey, if I didn't know, right? I mean, can't you plead ignorance? You know, well, I didn't know. How can you judge me on that? Sorry, officer, I didn't see that sign. <laughs> Yeah, that works really well, doesn't it? 
See, the point is not whether you saw it or not, but the fact that you were responsible. Now look at what the, what the Word of God says about those who didn't grow up in church. Verse 14. When the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are law unto themselves, even though they do not have the law. I'll bet you it doesn't matter what community you're in. Nobody likes to get robbed. 100% of the people who have ever been robbed thinks, thinks being robbed is wrong. Stealing things is wrong. Did you get that from the Bible or just by experience? It's a natural thing, my friends. You know what else people don't like? They don't like to be murdered. Friends, you could go right down the like Every one of those has something to do with love. The right way to treat someone is with respect, right, and kindness. Yeah. Well, you don't need the Bible for that, do you? You know, little kids, you know, they're in the nursery and they're running around and, you know, they take a truck and they swing. Wham! Ow! It is your responsibility not to hurt me. You see, the fact is, the law is written on our hearts. Look at verse 14. They show, verse uh, 15, that the work of the law is written on their hearts. And so we have the, the law of God written on our hearts. We know instinctively because of what God has done and made us that there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. I have, well, the two greatest dogs on the history of the planet. And, and my dogs know better. They each one have a, a bowl that belongs to them. And I put food in the bowl. And if one dog goes to the other bowl, I said, hey. And I get this. I know I've done wrong. I knew it. I've seen him start, then look up, and then move over. It's true about everybody, my friends. And, and God has given us this thing called the conscience. And we've talked about this. The conscience is nothing but a scale. And we have the things that we have learned, the law written on our heart, things that we have been taught, and we weigh our actions based on these things. Is it right or is it evil? Is it good? Is it evil? And our conscience can become seared. You know what that means? Burned to the point of no feeling? Yeah, a seared conscience. You know how you get one of those? Keep ignoring it. You keep weighing stuff, knowing it's wrong, and doing it anyway. Eventually, the conscience just stops working altogether. Sociopaths. That's what you become. I'll do whatever I feel like doing in the moment, regardless of what the impact will be, because I want to. It's a dangerous thing, my friends. We have the law written on our hearts. Yeah, we know what's right and what is wrong, what is good and what is evil. 
And so the Gentiles, when they do what is right and they avoid what is evil, they show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, and while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day, when according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus, they will be responsible. I never went to church. How can I be responsible? You're going to be judged based on what you knew. If you knew it was wrong and you did it anyway, my friends, you're guilty. You're guilty of sin. He who knows what is right and does it not, to him it is sin. So the Gentiles will be judged based on the law written on their hearts. But the Jews will be judged on the law written on stone. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed by the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having the law, the embodiment of knowledge and truth. You then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? And you who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, dishonor God by breaking the law. For it is as written, for as it is written, the name of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. No advantage of being a Jew when it comes when you stand before God. Oh no, I'm a Jew, free pass. Oh, I went to church my whole life. I got the certificates, and I got the awards, and I read the Bible once. And Circumcision, the mark of a Jew, not a free pass, my friend. For circumcision, indeed, is a value if you obey the law, but if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is circumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? See, the point isn't what you have had done to you in the flesh, but what has been, happens in your heart. What's going on inside here? Are you honoring God in your life? Do you perceive the things going on in your world through the lens of honoring God? I want to honor him. I want to live for him and obey him. Hmm. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is from man, is not from man, but of God. Friends, you are responsible to God for what you know. You are responsible to God. And God, God is a righteous judge. Live accordingly. little Bible to go here, my friends. God is a righteous judge. Live accordingly. You know now. 
If you haven't known before today, you know now that you are responsible for what light God has given you. What truth has become available to you? You are responsible to him. So put what you know into practice because one day you will stand before the Lord Jesus. Today you get to make a decision about him, but that day he's going to make a decision about you. For believers, you're going to give an account. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verses 9 to 10, Paul reminds this church, So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that we may receive what is due for what has been done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, friends, we're going to all appear before Jesus. If you're a believer here today, you will stand before him. And he will look at your life and what you have done with what he has given to you. Now, friends, this is not about judgment in the sense of condemnation. This is an evaluation of reward. You see, based on what you do here will determine what your afterlife looks like. I'm not talking about heaven or hell. I'm talking about there are different levels of reward for every believer. And it's based on what you do with the light that God gives you. And I know you're thinking, oh, I didn't realize there was going to be a test. I didn't think it mattered what I did here today. And I'm here to tell you it does. It's not about salvation, my friends. The price has been paid in full, once for all. Hmm. But we will give an account, my friend. And what will it be based on? What we have done with what we have been given. And it's all based on what you know. As a matter of fact, James in chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. Imagine that. The word of God saying, hey, 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 hit the brakes on this. Not everyone should be a teacher. You know why? And it has nothing to do with, well, some of them aren't that good. He says, We who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. Did you hear that? To whom much is given, much is required. Yeah, I have had great experiences and opportunities to listen to great men and women of God teaching, instructing, shaping Great, great, great opportunities, my friend. Things I didn't even know that pastors did. I had no idea to learn the word of God, to learn the languages, to learn the theology. And I will be responsible to the Lord for every last one of them, just as you will. Wow, man, I didn't know we were supposed to pay attention to this stuff. Right? It feels that way, doesn't it? Hey, why didn't anybody tell me this stuff? I did. Hey, 
One of the great things about Family Bible Church, I don't feel like Tom Harms up here. I don't feel like I'm, I'm shoving judgment on you people because you live it out, right? You put this stuff into practice and it changes your life. You're different because of this. And that's what gives me joy. And that's the kind of joy that I want the Lord to have when he says, ah, David, let's talk about Moody Bible Institute and a few things you learned in that Old Testament survey class. New Testament. Remember when you were studying the Gospels? You remember this? What about that? It's not a three-minute issue, my friends. Be careful. Be careful. Hmm. Now note, we just talked about believers here, but unbelievers, they will have their day as well. Written in Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne in him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the book, according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Written in the book of life. Is your name there? Apparently there's a book. And the moment you put your trust in Jesus Christ, there it is. You won't be at that judgment if you're trusting in Christ. No, we appear before the Lord where he rewards us for what we have done with the opportunities we have had. We got to step up our game here, friends. We got to step it up. Before the Lord, you know what God is calling you to do. It's time to do it. Father in heaven, God help us. This ought to be startling, and perhaps we are startled this morning. We've believed a lot of fairy tales about heaven, becoming angels and playing in the clouds. And we've missed it. Help us, God, to take in this truth here this morning and live accordingly. to pay more attention to this life and not let it just whittle on by. Help us to take advantage of the opportunities you lay before us for your glory and for the good of others, God, I pray. 
Help us to live well. That others would be drawn to you, that we would have a platform for preaching the gospel to the lost. Because, Father, there isn't a person here that doesn't long for standing before you and hoping for these words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Help us to be faithful, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.